0: You're listening to the Sporting Heroes podcast brought to you by Radio City Talk up in Liverpool. My name's Matt Jones and this afternoon my guest is someone who's well known here on Merseyside and to viewers of Sky Sports News across the country as well. Journalist massive Evertonian, it's a warm welcome to Alan Myers. Thanks Matt, Great to be here. Well great to have you on and uh, as I've just said uh, a journalist who has worked for Everton Football Club and uh, as someone who is a big blue that must have been almost living the dream. The next best thing to play in for them.
1: Um, most of, most of the time, it was a dream. There, there were a couple of times when it wasn't, but um, but yeah, I, obviously, you know, as a boyhood Evertonian, you grow up, and uh, I mean, I was I was one of. Uh uh, eight children, and um, I was the only Evertonian in the in the whole lot. So uh, my dad was a staunch red. So it was um, it was a difficult upbringing, you know, uh, especially at the time when Liverpool were, were so dominant. Um, so yeah, so to go on and work for the club, I, I'll never forget the first day going in there and so, sort of sat in the dressing room with, um, you know, trying to get people to to do certain things, you know, uh, interview wise, and you know, with, with the likes of Neville Southall and people people like this, you know, who you know, it was just it was just incredible, but. Um, yeah good
0: times how did you end up a blue then
1: um well it's a long story really but um basically when i was when i was a kid um i was around about 10 years of age and um as I say, all my brothers and my two sisters and, and my father were, were all real staunch reds and and um, the, I used to wash cars and cut hedges as a kid you know for money uh, as we did in those days and um, and I, I used to have a lady across the road called mrs McGee who um, who used to uh, who used to be Harry catrick's cleaner, would you believe and um, and one day she said to me, "Do you want to go to the football?" and I said, yeah you know and she, so she in those days used to have the reserves would play on a Saturday at the home ground when the First team were away, um, so she, she gave me the sort of ticket out of the season ticket book for the reserves. You know, the reserves had their own season tickets, if you know what I mean. Um, so, so I went and, and and watched a few reserve games. I remember Ronnie Goodless coming through as a as a very young sort of fifteen year old, sixteen year old, and, and 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 you know, and I'd go there and, and I loved it, you know. And, and that was that was basically it. I was hooked, and and there was no way back, unfortunately.
0: So from then on obviously the dream must have been to play for Everton or to cover them.
1: Yeah, well certainly I wasn't I think I would I sort of sussed out early on in my life that I wasn't going to play for them. <laughs> um, um, but uh yeah, listen. Uh, you know, just just to be involved with them, and you know, you, I, I remember sort of in the early days uh, about someone we am going to speak about. You know, doing a, a, a telephone interview on my first time when I, I became a journalist. You know, with with a hero of mine, and 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 being incredibly. You know, it was it was unreal to be speaking to this person. You know, and I remember, I remember you know watching um, Everton. On, on, you know, I, I mean, the famous old boy's pen, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden to find yourself within the club and, and to, to be talking about things, which as fans, we always wanted to know. Um, it was quite surreal, really. Uh, but, but, you know, reality soon hit and, and, and you realise there's a job to be done and, and you yep. have to get on with it. You know,
0: And the media world that we're in now as well is quite different to, to the media world back then, I would assume.
1: Oh, very much so. Um, when I first, I was actually, would you believe, the first official Premier League press officer. There was no one really who had that title at the time with mm. the clubs. Basically, what they had in, in clubs is people who looked after the media, basically. You know, there was, no, there was no role, if you like. And it was only the sort of, I started at Everton in 96. And, you know, of course, the Premier League had only been going for a few years. And, and, and whilst, as I say, you know, every club had people who looked after, um, the, the, you know, the media, it wasn't a specific job, if you like they did other things uh, because there wasn't that much demand at that point you know there wasn't, it looked after itself I mean we used to have what we call the Me- the Mersey Mafia come to Everton on a, on a daily basis you know and they, that was all the sort of the hacks the who who came every day for stories and they would come in the morning and sit down with the manager and just hang around the car park for players to come out after training and uh, you know and do, just do interviews stood by cars and and you just think wow you know can you imagine that today you know it just wouldn't happen and and um, and it was very very different in those days
0: mm. and and one other thing as well is that uh, i think it's fair to say about 2025 20, years ago maybe even longer sports journalists were very much told to maybe keep who their team was under wraps and not appear to be biased when they were reporting on a club or something like that but that's very much changed now as well and if you go on your social media you can just see how big a blue you are
1: yeah well I mean it, that, that was the case I mean it was it was the case when I joined Sky in in 2002 you know that was very much the the the, the idea that you you know, had to uh, but but I think you know, I think. you know, common sense has prevailed, you know, people, why would you hide who you support? Um, As long as you know, you, you, you stay professional. You know, I have to go to, to Liverpool on a regular basis and I stay as professional as, as it's possible. You know, uh, and what I mean by that, you know, without going over the top, you've got to be careful don't go over the top the other way as well. And you just have to report things and do things and, and, and work professionally. And I think there is a, a professional um, sense about it all. You know, and, and you know, I mean, I, just recently, uh, you know, the stick I got because I was covering the uh, the Liverpool Champions League parade, you know, and on the night before, actually on the night, but you do it because that's your job and, and there's a job to be done and, and I've never ever allowed my uh sense of an Evertonian into my work, you know, because that's not what it's about. But um but yeah, I mean people people want to see real people if you like you know and uh, you know w- what was it like to see uh, Mike um, the referee uh, Mike Dean just recently you know celebrating the Tranmere goal it's, I think I think we should encourage that and you know everybody knows everyone supports a football club I went to Blackburn as a director and, and you know everyone knew I was an Everton fan um, you know I, I tried to avoid the question what would you do if we played Everton in the <laughs> cup or you know, you, you know I don't know I couldn't answer that one to be honest but um, but of course you, you work for the people who are paying you wages and, and that it, but uh, but no, it's never been a problem for me, but yeah, very very different
0: in those days, that's for sure Quite right, it's Radio City Talk, you're listening to Full Time and speaking to uh, sports journalist Alan Myers, Uh, let's get on to your sporting hero then, and uh, I'm guessing it's very much someone of an Everton persuasion.
1: Well it is um, what I would say, I mean, you know, I've football is obviously a a big part of my life, you know, and football is. And so, you know, there's no surprise that he's a footballer. I I used to love Larry Holmes as a boxer. Um, I used to love the way he'd get battered for sort of 11 and a half rounds and then just do one punch and beat his opponent, you know, and, and things like that. And I've respected so many different sports people down the years. Um, But, but yes, my, my, my hero is a, is a guy called Bob Latchford who, you know, anyone who supported Everton through the seventies, um, you know, would understand exactly what Bob Lashford brought to you as a person, brought to you as a supporter. And and just, you know, sort of at a time when I was around sort of 16, 17, you know, he was very much, you know, part of me growing up, if you like, and and, and helped in my, my formative years, if that's not a bit too deep.
0: <laughs> he was the Everton top scorer four years running, 95, uh, sorry, 75, 76, 77 and 78. And I think that just shows how valuable a player he was to the Blues.
1: He was a fantastic player and, and I think what he was was, you know, that we talk about goal scorers and he was a real goal scorer. You know, he, he would, you know, he wasn't he wasn't running around everywhere doing this, that, and the other, but but he knew where the net was. He knew how to score goals, and goals change games, and and goals get results, and and I think that was the great thing about him. He gave us something we didn't have a lot to shout about during those bleak years, but but he gave us something to 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 love. He even would you believe I I actually in an art CSE I was taking at school I actually drew him you know drew a portrait <laughs> of him and I passed my art CSE on a picture of Bob Latchford you know with his perm and everything. You know, so, you know, he really touched sort of everywhere. And, and I'll never forget, you know, when I, I sort of met him for the first time, it was quite incredible, really. And, um, and and you just can't equate the two things, if you know what I mean, because he meant so much to you as a player and, uh, and, you know, brought so much to Everton fans at the time.
0: First of all, have you still got that picture? And if so, has Bob seen it?
1: Uh, I don't know. Do you know? I haven't. um, I I think it might still be somewhere um, in my mum's house, buried under a load of whatever, (laughs) you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, it it was it was great. I I did keep it. I think it was folded, which was a bit of a a disappointment. But um, but I did keep it. But but one of the most amazing things I remember from that time was I'd been to most of the game. The year he scored thirty goals, I'd been to virtually every game. But the last home game against Chelsea when he actually scored the 30th I was working in a local fish and chip shop that was my part-time job would you believe and I couldn't get out it was a Saturday afternoon I couldn't get they wouldn't let me off work so I was in the back room in the back thing cutting chips you know making you know cutting potatoes into chips and I'll never forget listen to it on the radio and when he scored the goal I dropped to my knees and put my hands up in the air and then weirdly later on that, that evening, I saw the photograph of him, and he did exactly the same <laughs> as I'd done in the chipping. Now, whether there was any sort of, uh, you know, uh, spiritual thing there, I don't know, but, um, but no, it was I mean, he, he just meant so much to me, Bob Latchford. And, and, and it's a shame, really, because he should have a trophy or two to, you know, to, to look back on his time at Everton because he certainly deserved them.
0: Absolutely. Over 100 league goals for the club. Not many people can say that. Um, in terms of when you did meet and then, and I know you've already alluded to it, but what was that like for you? Were you nervous beforehand?
1: Well, I remember when I was working for Radio Merseyside, I actually rung him up, and uh, I'll never forget his, his late wife answered the phone. And she said to me, Oh, I'm sorry, Bob's not in at the moment, he's at work, you know. And I thought, Bob Latchford doesn't work, you know, he's a, he's a god, you know, he doesn't work. So, and he did, he worked at some factory or some kind of place, you know, in Birmingham, and, and I couldn't believe it. Anyway, he came on the phone later on, and we did a piece for Radio Major. And then I sort of got to know the business, and, you know, it was very early on in my career. And then, um, and then I sort of met him, and he was just the gentleman. In fact, he was more of the gentleman than I thought he would be. You know, they say never meet your heroes, don't they? And, but I have to say... I'm so glad I did with Bob because he was actually better than what I could have imagined. You know, such a nice, humble guy. You know, and then I shared a stage with him just a few months ago or maybe a year ago now, you know, when he came over to do a talk and it was just fantastic because many of the things, you know, I sit next to footballers and talk to them and stuff and you don't really relate that much to their moment. But, but because you were part of it, you know, you were part of Bob's moment. You know, it was so much better to, to do that. And um, and he was everything and more that I could ever imagine from a hero.
0: Just finally, is there one particular goal of his that you did see that stands out as, as the best one or the most important to you?
1: Oh, 100%. It was against, uh, I think it was at Ellen Road and I'll never forget, I was stood. It was one of the cup games. I can't remember. I'm not very good at remembering things, but I think it was against West Ham and he... I was stood just behind, literally about a yard away from the goal, you know, because just behind the barrier. And and it was a diving header. Billy Wright put a fantastic rocket of a cross over. And Bob Latchford sort of stooping diving header it smashed the back of the net. And then he jumped up onto the railings, you know, to sort of um, celebrate with the crowd. And I was literally literally just stood next to him when he, when he did, you know, it, it, you could see the sweat pouring off his head and, you know, and it was just, it lives with me for the rest of my life that, you know, it was a fantastic moment. Of course, we went on to lose, but, um, but you know, it was, it was a fantastic moment, it really was.
0: And a brilliant sporting hero to have and to pick as well. Alan Myers, thank you for your time this afternoon and thank you for picking uh, the wonderful Bob Latchford as your sporting hero. Thanks, Matt. Alan Myers, journalist and Evertonian, joining me, Matt Jones, on the Sporting Heroes podcast brought to you by Radio City Talk this week. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll get another one of them in your box next week when I do another one. And on top of that, you can listen live every Wednesday at 4.45 up here on Merseyside. You can get us on 1548 Medium Wave. You can get us on your DAB or you can get us online and on the Radio City app as well.